Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Sabrina and I have been continuously talking about, and I'm frustrated anyway, that we're constantly getting conflicting information. Nobody knows what the new normal is going to be. None of us have any idea what's even happening tomorrow. So I have brought in one of my favorite people to help Sabrina and I sort this out. Also, we can think of it as cheap and free therapy. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Hey, Dr. Drew. I'm happy to be cheap and free. That's me. Well, that's what they <laughs> that's what they say when you dance every other Thursday. <laughs> Doctor, listen, don't let Melissa label you. Don't don't do it. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I guess the first thing I want to ask is we're 8 to 10 months, I don't even know where we are into all of this. Yeah. Have we actually learned anything? Well, it's a great question. Uh I, I think we have. Uh, I, I think that if you think about how we were feeling, it, it, the general public, and I think I speak on behalf of just about everyone when I say in the beginning, in, say, March, it was a fog of war, right? Everyone was preparing for the worst case. Everyone expected everywhere to be like New York City or Italy. And that was just wrong. That's just not the case. But Okay, we locked down, we prepared for the worst, turned out not to be necessary. Then along comes the summer surge. Wait, you didn't is, think locking down was necessary? Not then. In no, the beginning? I, it's, it's, that, that was, that was a, the, the, I mean, we brought in hospital ships and built hospitals, all these things we didn't need to do. Locking down was just, listen, we have literally four times more cases now than we did in the beginning. And we, but are we not know how to down. treat them so people aren't dying. Correct. That was the whole point. We didn't know what was going to happen back then. It was a fog of war. And so some states prepared for the worst case scenario. And I thought, okay, uh, you know, these guys, these leaders are, that's their job, right? And so I thought it was excessive at the time, but I thought, okay, let's prepare for the worst case. They did that. Uh, it, it, there's still, it still is not clear that this stay at home orders works. It's still uh, unclear that that's a good thing. In fact, 90, Something like 80% of transmission occurs in the home. So making people stay in the environment, that had never been recommended in the history of medicine, except one time during one of the Venetian plagues when it made things a lot worse. So the whole thing was kind of like, again, we didn't have a lot of information. People were doing the best they could. I understand that. But don't you think the fact that we didn't have a lot of information and people, let's be honest, were dropping like flies that it was really the right thing to do to lock down till we knew how to treat it. I mean, I remember the photos of those of refrigerator trucks full of bodies. Right. That's why we locked down. We were scared. We expected everywhere to be like New York and Italy. 
That was wrong. That wasn't going to happen, but we didn't know. So people are prepared for the worst case. So let me state it as clearly as I can again. Even though it was excessive, I, at the time and in retrospect, I think it was the right thing to right. do because it was a fog of war. Okay, we good. didn't know what was going on. So then it comes around again in the summer, and we don't lock down. We just sort of mitigate, do all these good things, even though the summer outbreak was twice what the, or maybe three times even what the March situation was. And guess what? It worked. We started wearing masks. We started doing proper things. We started understanding how this how this thing is, and it went back down again. We got into sort of uh, you know mitigation worked, and and you got to remember, even in the first situation. There was never a goal to prevent disease or death. That was never a goal. The goal was to prevent overwhelming the healthcare system. That was always the goal. There was never anybody claiming that they could reduce deaths or reduce cases, though we learned that we could. And so in the summer, we started, I think people sort of shifted a little bit to, hey, we sure like to see less people dying of this thing. We'd like to see less cases. We'd like to see less hospitalization. So everybody wear your mask. And we all did that. And um, it worked. Right. I mean, I think because we want to focus a little bit on the new normal. My biggest problem that I'm having with it, and Sabrina, jump in, is I feel like all the messaging is conflicting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the guidelines are obvious. And some seem kind of arbitrary. I feel like very often, and I've been talking to my son about this, and I talked to some of the administrators at his school about this, it's all about what we're not allowed to do, but let us know what we are allowed to do. I mean, I think the non-negotiables, and I don't understand why people don't understand, you need to wear a mask in public. Yeah, pretty simple. You know, it's... it's, Wait... But Sabrina, do you have any follow-on to that? Because I, I have a whole thing I want to say. I know where you're going with this, Melissa, and I, I want to jump on something quickly. But Sabrina, Go I want to make sure. Ju- I'll okay. jump on it. I don't want you to lose okay. your train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, would you? Would you? He lost that wa- years ago. No, no, no. I want Sabrina to please speak with my wife because, <laughs> because so how many times a day I'm going. Yeah. What was I saying? So, yeah. <laughs> but, Drew, you uh, and I have I known saying? each other so long. I remember when both of us could have a, keep a train of thought. <laughs> That's so true. Um, uh, Health messaging is what you're going after, yeah. it's what you're talking about. And health messaging is, is the most astonishing thing to me, that we have abandoned everything we know about health messaging. I, I was very active in the AIDS epidemic. I, I was right. really involved in that whole whole thing. And Loveline, the reason I did Loveline was in 1983, a certain Anthony Fauci was encouraging us young physicians to get out there, get on, get on media and educate because we needed to change behavior. That became a field of study where people finally concluded the way to change behavior is not to direct from a box like I'm in right now with a white coat, not to demand from on high, but to create a relatable narrative, use some humor and tell a story and make your case to people. And they'll accept teen mom, for instance, is an example of how how to reduce teen pregnancy. Let them see the story. Let me explicate what's going on. And then you decide what you want to do. And guess what? Teen pregnancy rates started dropping right. the order that uh, that show started airing. Loveline was another. Uh, the show we did, Loveline, was a relatable source, some humor. Uh, you know, Not me telling you what to do, but me explaining the experience of a relatable narrative. We just abandoned that completely. And this idea you were getting at, Melissa, of sort of encouraging good behaviors as opposed to admonishing about what you must do and making you feel terrible. That is not the way to shape health behaviors. And on top of that, they've induced this thing where everyone is feeling powerless and helpless. 
And powerlessness and helplessness are how you create depression and anxiety. And God knows what this is going to do to eight to 15 year olds. I hear so many reports about anxiety and depression in that age group because of this, this feeling that the world's coming to an end and the powerlessness and helplessness that our government is inducing, not just in the kids, but in their parents. And so this is, this is the worst possible situation for mental health. And they seem to be paying no attention to it. So I, I wanted to know what then is your advice with the parents and how they're dealing with the stress and the anxiety and then with their children, because it's easy to kind of fall into that vacuum, you know, yeah. with, if you don't disconnect from, you know, social media and the news, you know, it's still that tension that everyone's feeling, whether it's your mm-hmm. neighbor or your family member, it's, it's insane right now. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. Uh, There's a few axioms. There's no magic solution for it because it is a horrible setup for mental illness. We're in city of San Francisco right now. We are losing four more people a day to opiate addiction than COVID. Four times the death rate. Do you hear anything about that? They're just this laser beam on one illness while other illnesses are skyrocketing. And, and, and And they are connected. Yes. It's the, and, the, and the people are delaying coming to treatment and people are staying out of the hospital and people are coming in with horrible problems with cancer and heart disease. And then, of course, depression, suicide and addiction is just out of control right now. But what can you do as a parent? Uh, the kids need to know one thing for sure, that you're, you, the parents, are going to be OK. That's the thing they really obsess about, particularly if you're in the sort of, again, that eight to 15 year old window. It seems to me they're very this would be the worst possible kind of a situation for kids that age. So I'm going to be fine. Next, you're going to be fine because I'm going to be fine and I'm going to make sure of it. Don't get, and then try to get their reality testing up, up, sort of tell them to, to sort of be able to understand the math of this, you know, less than, less than a 10th of a percent of somebody their age is going to get seriously ill. No one they know is going to get seriously ill. Your parents are unlikely to get serious. You know, just try to get them up to speed with what the really the probabilities of, of the situation is and, and really talk a lot about how they're feeling, obviously. I think that's an obvious thing, too. The other thing, of course, is if you're having really troublesome symptoms, and it's hard to tell when everyone's at home because really you know, uh, diagnosable symptoms are based on trouble functioning. But we're not, none of us are functioning, so it's really hard to tell when people are in trouble. But, but do get help if you need help. But the other thing I'm hearing a lot from people that work with adolescents repeatedly is find some way to restore normalcy, whatever that is for a kid, a normal life as much as possible. They need that. Now, which goes into the whole question of, you know, what do we do with the schools and where did that come from and why are we doing that? And that's a whole nother open discussion. But just think in terms of how do I make their life as normal as possible? Well, luckily for Cooper, his life was never normal. So <laughs> there you go. Um, what? Okay, moving forward to the new normal. I know what I think, but I want to know what you think. What are going to be sort of the non-negotiable basics that we are going to need to be following for the near future? Well, uh, it's it's a mixed bag, right? Right. I mean, so, I think so- masks. Yeah, masks are there, but I'm just thinking so many people have had the virus now. Do those people need to wear masks? What about the people that are becoming vaccinated? And we're, I, I plan to get the vaccine in the next two weeks. I mean, it's coming out fast. 
And should they be wearing masks also? And should they be navigating differently? And then how should we behave when we see somebody who maybe isn't wearing a mask? Should we be shaming them? Or should we just assume, should we wear a button or something that says vaccinated, you know, or, or had, you know, antibodies present? Something, I'm going to like need that tag. I'm going to need everybody to wear a name badge. Had it, got it. Do yeah. you want it? What I mean, I'm, that's what I need. I need you to be identified. <laughs> yeah. See, I, 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 I love Serena's way of doing yeah. it. I'll do it. With, I'll, I'm sorry. I mean, like, yeah. I don't have but, a problem wearing a mask. My son doesn't have a problem wearing a mask. Either. Me it's like, I, it's like, I, it, but it's like to get us to somewhat back to normal, we're all going to need to get on the bo- in the boat and row the same direction. I agree. I think I think the non-mask wearing mm. is bizarre. Mm-hmm. I think it's really bizarre. I think it's bizarre that people draw the line at the mask. I mean, why did you draw the line there, everybody? I Do you wear a seatbelt? Right, you exactly. know what I mean? The Do you mask, wear a seatbelt? Mask, mask is a bridge too far. It's like, really? But the way – I know what I wanted to say like 10 minutes ago that I wanted to point out, which is the way I – again, back to health messaging. The way I tell people is, all right, don't wear a mask. How are you going to feel if you're walking around pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic and you infect a bunch of people and somebody dies? How are you going to feel about that? Are you going to be okay with that? Or would you rather just put a damn mask on and forget about it? I mean, come on. But you, so but just, you know people are indignant. I don't know those people. I may not <laughs> ever find out if they – I mean, you know what we're dealing with in society. Because when you see those I, people, they're like, it's hype. Believe what you want to believe. It's my right. Well, and- I mean, if the, if the Rose Garden ceremony for Amy Coney and Barry did, wasn't a lesson, and this is people who are tested daily – I'm not sure what else everybody needed to see. I mean, that's the most well, closed environment bubble of safety, and it still went through their like wildfire. It, it's, it's precisely why you can't go straight ahead at people's belief systems. It's like trying to argue with a flat earther, right? You, you right. can't. You have you have to go at their worldview, not not the not their specific beliefs on this particular issue, because they'll they'll think they'll go around it. Every everything you try to and and remember to them. this. Their worldview may be as far as their backyard. That's it. That's all. You're right, and, and that's and 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 if that's the case, then that's where they should stay. <laughs> I want that's them fine. to. That's fine. You know, go, <laughs> go ahead. But it really, I think the appeal I try to make is to the communal nature. There's still there's a great you know I don't know if you've seen these videos. Of this the Chad goes deep videos. Have you seen this? These two. They're improvisational comedians, but they play sort of these two surfer dudes and they go out and they hand out masks in, in Huntington Beach. It's the best health messaging of this entire pandemic. And, w- and when they try to hand masks to people, their reactions are so ridiculous. It makes the point that you should just be wearing masks. It, it just cuts right through everything when you see how ridiculous the objections are. There's no way anyone could maintain their objection if they watch that video because so, you really see it for what it is. So, okay, so, so for the foreseeable future, the new normal you would hope to see is sort of mask wearing across the board. Yeah, I think there's going to be a national mandate. I think masks are fine. I think we should be wearing them. I, I think that uh, by spring, everyone's going to be vaccinated. And so just kind of suck it up if you don't like it for a little while. That's one right. thing. Uh, I think distancing is in there for a while, too. Uh, I think, well, he, here's the difference. Let me, let me just sort of think about it this way. The, the difference between March and now is that we are less scared and we can, we're can we more measured. We more understand what's going on and what the potential is. It's not great, but it's not what we thought it was. And we're learning to, rather than hide, we're learning to navigate. 
We're learning to navigate with this thing. And the better you navigate, the, the more realistic you are about what the risks are and how to prevent them, the better you can navigate. It's it's that simple. That to me is the new new normal. Navigating sensibly with what we know. By the same token, back to normal, if you've got an anxious, depressed kid, creating some sort of communal experience that feels normal may be critically important to that person not sinking deeper into serious mental illness. Right. And yeah. I work a lot, I work a lot with the men- with mental illness and I'm on the board of like Dee Dee Hirsch and suicide prevention yeah. and the yeah. uptake and the, and the, the, what we're seeing coming out of the CDC is horrifying, horrifying, horrifying you know? and, and being ignored by the public health community. That's it, what bothers me. Ignored. Yeah. And, and there's a, there was actually just a legislation passed, I think a couple days or like two weeks ago about they're going to start forcing insurance companies to cover more mental health issues well to talk, the, 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 you know luck with that yeah but there was you, you, i am I'm, I'm i'm not speaking eloquently enough and remembering but, but well, which the just, logis, what, what the legislation was but let me just educate you where it fails every time because having worked in the psychiatric hospital for over 30 years i i've seen many attempts at this and here's where the insurance company play their little game they always say oh absolute you're right we need to increase the coverage for a medically necessary treatment for depression. They always throw in medically Mm -hmm. necessary. They never define what they mean by medically necessary. You know what medical necessity is? A 5150. No. Well, yes, but it's the doctor that works for the insurance company arbitrarily determining what's medically necessary. Nearly no input from the actual caretakers on the ground with the patient. They're taking orders from the insurance company. You must take out the, or, or define medical necessity as the judgment of the attending physician in charge of the case, period, with no input from the insurance company. That's the only time it's ever going to change. And nothing ever close to that has ever been legislated. Uh, I, I mean, that's what, going back to the new normal. I think we're on the verge of a second pandemic, which is depression. We're in, we're in it. We're, we're in, in it. We're but in I think I, I think we might have the vaccine and you know the treatments before we have a solution for the mental health community. Uh, you are so right, Melissa. Uh, and and it's it's the the again I worry most about the fifteen to eighteen year olds because we're establishing <laughs> we're <laughs> cultivating illness in those kids and then sending them on their way. So anxiety disorders are like four times higher than they were two years ago. Depression's twice up, suicide up, uh, opioid, alcoholism, it, uh, chronic, you know, long-term sober people are relapsing because there's no 12-step meetings. I mean, it is on and I think nothing that, being done about it. I can say it a little bit more crudely than you was. It's a shit show. It is a complete shit show. Yeah. And, and what I, what drives me out of my mind, what astonishes me is the, is this the inability of the public health community to to take this on? They're they're responsible for the public health, not for the COVID health. The the public health and every choice they make has adverse consequences, and they seem completely unwilling to, again, navigate, take take that on, or anticipate it, treat those consequences. They're just ignored. Uh, and then also we have the the other shit show of that the leaders that are mandating these things, which as I've told you, not the way to shape health behaviors are really putting the cherry on top of that fact that you can't mandate from on high, they're not following their own direction. 
They're well, going to birthday parties and they're doing whatever sure, they want. And, sure. that, and then it's forget it. No one's well, listening to them now. That's what I wanted to talk to you about also, the hypocrisy. And I think I know I have a lot of um, anger and frustration that I have not had in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, and we can call it out. Gavin Newsom went to an indoor dinner party. With 14 people, seven households. Yes. With the CEO of the California Medical Association. So like, how? What? You, know, you did what? It was it's just astonishing. Like, but it's like with Trump refusing to wear a mask. It's like, and, how do we deal moving forward? I'm really trying to think forward. I mean, other than voting them out of office, how do we deal with this hypocrisy? How do we deal? I mean, everyone on this call and everyone who's listening, I hope, of my listeners are intelligent people. How do we get, I mean, and we keep going back to messaging. How do we then believe anything we say? I mean, we already right. have a tr- we already have That's enough right. crazy and fake news mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people on different sides of the aisle all going through this simultaneously. How do we do like, I'm freaking angry. Yes, I, I can understand why. Uh, I don't think you're alone. Uh, I, I, frustration and anger and depressed. I, I've been depressed during a lot of this myself. And I can imagine people that have more serious depression. It must be awful. But uh, I think, you know, you ask what's going to this. I mean, I hope people learn about medical science that you can't just have opinion. You have to have an evidence basis. Do you know where lockdown came from? The idea of lockdown? Are you familiar with the story? No. Okay. You will not find social distancing or locking down in any infectious disease or public health textbook anywhere. You will not find it. The idea of lockdown came in 2006, 2004, I think it was, a 14-year-old in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a 14-year-old high school student put together a science experiment for her high school science project, which built a computer model that you could reduce the spread of influenza, which is transmitted by children, not by adults. You could reduce the transmission of influenza by shutting down schools. That was the model. Her father, who worked for the Los Alamos uh, Center, was a computer programmer, said, that's interesting. I wonder if I can make a more general model for pandemics. He published a paper, put his 14-year-old daughter as the number two author, and the paper was localized shutdown as a response to pandemics, particularly influenza, not respiratory viruses, influenza, which is hand and child transmitted. That became adopted as a potential pandemic policy by the Bush administration and was taken on as some sort of gospel in this particular outbreak. Never been tried, never been proven, no scientific evidence for it. An abstract model built by a 14-year-old that no one has ever shown has efficacy. There it is. That's what we're basing everything we do on right now. And that's why people are so frustrated and angry because... You know, it's control, you know, it's control, you know, for fear and anxiety and the lack of having real resolve um, and and some accountability. Serena, I agree. I I, I completely agree. And and why people find it appealing to to do to control like that, I don't understand it. Uh, Again, they abandon everything we've known about the last 30 or 40 years about health messaging and about getting people to comply with things. We, We know how to do that. They just abandoned it and just went into this panic mode. 
and then keep calling it out in the name of science for which there is no science. I mean, there's some ideas out there, but it's certainly not science. The mask has much more science. And again, even that science, you know, any science, you, you have pro and con literature, right? You always have, you know, that the, the idea is you read all the literature and then you derive your own sort of consensus idea of what's going on. No, clear to me, masks work. I mean, it's just very clear to me. And to, and to not wear them is like, well, <laughs> confusing. I mean, and, and masks, which everyone's not talking about yet, is going to make flu season better. What, what is? The, wearing mask? a mask is going to make flu season better. Well, it, it actually probably, there's a concern that the mask could make flu season worse. Now, because, that I don't uh, understand because if people well, are not spitting all over each other. Hang on. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. Because flu, unlike coronavirus, flu is transmitted on hands. So when you put your hands on your face to move your mask, there's concern that that could make things worse. Not proven, concern. But here's but here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. Flu is transmitted by children. Children not going to school prevents the flu from being transmitted. So the the the, the lockdown of schools is the CDC says this on their website is probably why the influenza season has been so mild. What about I mean I want to get to the vaccine. I mean, I have friends who are and always have been anti-vaxxers. Mm. I have strong opinions about that, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> what are we going to do when people don't want to take the coronavirus well, vaccine? If, or is it like, we, oh, well? Well, it's oh, well, for sure. Uh, but if we can get if we can get it up to 60 or 70 percent of the population, they may not need to take it. Here's what I say, I'm sympathetic to. I I I phase I signed up for four phase three trials. I can't get to this thing fast enough. Uh, I know that I know the biology. I know the research. I, I see it and I read it, and it looks fantastic. So as soon as it comes out, I'm running for it. So the next couple of weeks, I plan to get it. Now the Moderna and the uh, Pfizer vaccines are what are called RNA vaccines. Never before deployed in this country. They've been used in other countries for Ebola. They have been very safe, but never done it in this country, never done it on this scale. So I understand if people go, uh, it's a new technology. I'd, and I'm 30 or my kid's 20. Why would I take a new technology that we really don't know the full long-term risk for an illness that I'm not likely to get and I'm really not likely to get sick from and I'm certainly not likely to die from? So if people say that, I understand that. If somebody says, I'm a very low risk, I'm not going to die of this thing, I'd rather wait it out and get the more traditional vaccine therapies, totally understand. Uh, people at risk ought to be getting it now because there's, there's risk. There's real risk and you can mitigate that risk with what appears to be a very safe vaccine. You know, it's all, it's the end of the year or we're coming up on it. 2020 has been grim. Shit show. Don't use that word. I can't stand that word. It's grim and staggering are words that I never want to be in my vocabulary. Again. Really? Why? It too many times. It's every headline is grim milestone, staggering, grim, grim progress, grim, grim. No more grim, no more staggering. I, I was yelling about staggering, by the way, back when it was just in Italy. I, I literally say, stop with the staggering. That is panic porn. That is you trying to panic. You're going to achieve it. Everyone's going to panic. Stop it. And that's exactly that's uh, my fear is that's why we had such a tremendous overreaction is because of the panic we were all in. But we did it. So here we are. Yeah, but grim as a word makes my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Now. Well, see, when I think of grim, I think of the Grim Reaper and I go immediately to Mon Monty Python. And, uh, you know, it was well, the see, salmon it, moose. It's losing all those positive connotations <laughs> for me because it's been in so many shitty headlines this year. Hey, so 
I mean, I guess no one knows what the new normal is going to look like. If you had to start to guess where we'll be in January and February, where do you think we're going to get to? Where do you think we're going to be able to start to feel like life is normal again, like it was? Or is that all a thing of the past and we just have to all adapt for at least another year to what is the new normal? We are all confused. We all are having trouble listening to people that say, do as I do and don't, not as I, do as I say, do as I say, not as I do. It was the story of my childhood. Very hard. (laughs) And Cooper's too. Don't let her, don't let her play that game. Mm -mm. Like I said to him about going to Cotillion, I had to do it. You had to do it, had to have to do it. And when you have children, you can make them do it. So funny. (laughs) Um, But, but I think January and February may be grim. Uh, but it, which pisses me off because we should be sort of lifting and getting ready to achieve some aspect of normalcy. I think normalcy as it's going to be, will probably not be present till mid to late summer. Uh, I think there'll still be a lot of people working from home. I think your dentists will still be geared up with all kinds of ventilators on their face. I think, uh, People will still be thinking about infectious diseases, which I think is a great thing. This is this is something I've been saying for a long time as it pertains to the homeless problem, that we're pretending infectious diseases don't exist anymore. They exist and they are severe. And we're going to see some really serious outbreaks, uh, particularly in Los Angeles and the homeless population. It, it's inevitable. And people are going to, you know, wash their hands more and they're going to sort of distance a little more. I don't know whether handshakes, I think handshakes will come back. I do. Really? I believe that, but, but I'm not sure they'll be kissing and hugging so much anymore. I don't see handshakes people, either. Mm-mm. Don't see it. Don't see it in my future. Well, <laughs> that's, well, let's, well, let's put it this way. How about this? There will be handshakes will be back, but there'll be options. If you, if you do this, people will know exactly what you mean and they'll do it right back. At right. You, no, I mean? They'll see it in my eyes first. They'll see. <laughs> I promise you. I promise. They won't get within six feet. <laughs> they won't get within six feet of her. Uh, I don't want to see that in Sabrina's eyes. Just you know, I just, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. It's not good, and it's real. It, it, there, and there's no mixed message in there at all. Mm-mm. Sabrina should be doing our health messaging. That's all. <laughs> right no, now. you don't want that <laughs> with that smile either. too, with that lovely smile. Oh, thank you, thank you. You know, one of the things speaking of messaging, and like I said in the beginning, that I've been talking to Cooper's school about with mental health is, and it goes back to. The frustration of being told, everyone is being told what they're not allowed yep. to do rather Very than bad. telling us what we are allowed to do. Allowed to do, And that's affected yeah. college students beyond any other group. Freshmen are dropping yeah. like flies everywhere. And one of the calls I was on, they talked about the fact that they're just being told everything is no. Yes. Everything, everything about is, you is no. Everything about you is wrong. Every impulse you have is bad. Then nothing. So so when we build models of depression in the laboratory, you know what we do? We take dogs. And this is, sounds horrible, but this is what they do. They put them on an electrical grid and there's two two chambers. The dog of course jumps off the electrical grid in the other chamber to get away from the shock that they deliver. Well, after a period of teaching them that, they electrify both chambers. And what does the dog do? tries a couple times to get away and then just rolls into a ball and sits there and gets depressed because of its powerlessness. That is how we build models of depression. That is what we are doing to the population, particularly the young population in this country. I know of no more powerful way to induce depression than exactly what you're talking about, Melissa. And particularly at that age, 
you're prone to depression 18 to 22. You're prone to panic. You're prone to anxiety. This is when serious mental illness emerges. And the, the lack of awareness of the, that fact, to me, is going to have profound consequences for who knows how long. And what that generation is going to do in response to it, I don't know. But I hope they're ready to sort of empower themselves and support themselves and think about themselves because the exact opposite has been done by society. What about travel? How safe or unsafe is travel? Because I'm well, hearing tra- one, of, one of my girlfriends is like, as long as it's a big plane, but if it's a little plane, it's not safe. And, the, yep, the, and, the, I, and I see that they put in a, a testing site at LAX. I don't know what they're doing around the country, but yep. they clearly are trying Oh, good. Yep, that'll add another extra three hours to I know. at the airport. Just what we need think, at LAX. <laughs> I think that's primarily international travel. But 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 here's the deal. Planes are probably one of the safest places you can be, with a couple of caveats. The the, the probability of a virus getting under your mask is like 0.003%. So with the mask, with the way they deal with the aerosols, with the way the air is circulated, you're in pretty good shape. Here's the problem. They pass out pretzels and meals all at the same time. And so everyone pulls their mask down and starts eating and drinking all together. Don't do that. Eat before you get on the plane. Bring some snacks. Don't pull your mask down when everyone else is eating. That's that's your big risk. And certainly do not. The, the only transmissions I've seen documented on planes, by the way, were people who took their mask, masks off in the bathroom right after somebody else took their mask off in the bathroom. So leave your mask on all the time on the planes. The problem with travel is really airports. Airports are a little dicey. Uh, there's not not a lot of uniformity in terms of distancing. They try, but I've been in a lot of airports through the. I've, fl- I've flown a lot through this pandemic, and the, every time I get in an airport, that's when I start to get uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, this is a lot of masks below the nose, a lot of that going on, and no one enforcing it, and a lot of people standing in line at the uh, the uh, confession stand, you know, at the food stand, right back to back customs they line you up back to back i mean that's there's a lot of that, that's where you got to be careful is in the airport and what about smaller planes like the puddle jumpers yeah uh i they're certainly different i don't know of any somebody maybe knows some data that i don't know where it suggests that's worse i i'm i've certainly flown on regional jets and they seem fine uh, but you know, I don't know. That's that's not a four seater, right? That's a thirty, twenty, or thirty seater. Right. What's better, the face masks or the shields for when you're Ma- traveling masks, and going out? Masks are definitely better. They, masks are better than the shields, for sure, for sure. Now there, there's new questions about your eyes, right? Have you seen all that? Should I be wearing? And I noticed when I flew recently, people were wearing goggles, which I th- I thought fascinating. Um, so people are trying to protect their eyes against stuff getting in that way. Uh, so I, I have no problem with that. And the shields help with the eyes primarily. Well, Sabrina, okay. you need, need any more tips? No, he's been very thorough. Yes. <laughs> Drew. We'll talk about, can we talk about anything else? I'm tired of talking about. Oh clothes. my God. Well, that's what I was trying. All right, So here's, okay. Here's a personal question for me. Yeah. How am I going to go skiing this year? How are you going to go skiing? When do you want to go? January. Oof. Every, here's what I've been go? told. Don't stay in a hotel. Stay in a house so you don't have For to be sure. inside. For uh, sure. Gondolas you're going to be able to ride. Trams you are not. And chairlifts are going to be spaced out. But it's truly one of the only sports where you have your face covered regardless. Yeah. Yes, you're you're all covered up, and you can get you know you got those fancy neoprene ones you can put on. I'm assuming those are pretty good. 
Although I, there's no data out there on that, no. I imagine. But yeah, you're you're not exactly on top of each other unless you're in a lodge or a restaurant. So just st- stay out of those environments and make sure whoever's in your household is either already part of your household or tested. Right. So I think you're I, fine. And another thing before we let you go, just because we can move these questions around a little bit, NCAA just came out with new uh, ratings for sports. Basketball remains high. Football remains high, but even sports, and I just know this because my son's a lacrosse player, where there is contact has been dropped to moderate. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and soccer is still considered high. Obviously, track has been dropped to moderate. How are they coming up with these choices? I I don't. That's just what I was thinking. I'm wondering where they're getting that data from because I have no idea. That's really interesting to me. I don't know, but I I would urge you to ask those questions. the, The way you ask it is, that when when uh, medical providers make decisions, they're required to make evidence-based decisions. Where is the evidence published that that upon which your decisions are being made? Just refer me to the journals and the articles that provide the evidence for the basis of the policies you're putting in place. And so far, I don't have anybody who can answer that for anything. And that is very, very concerning. Yeah, I think that that should be the general question for the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's and, and let me if we're going to make it the new normal, let me make sure that whomever, whatever literature they're quoting, that that person has read all the literature in that area so they can contextualize the particular study that they're relying on. They should be able to say, you know, this study was a very well done study. Its findings were consistent with 80% of the other studies that have been done over the last five years. But I particularly like this one because it was large. It was a meta-analysis. The statistical analysis was great. The uh, assumptions were good. Well, you have to have reasons why you think that study is reliable and then be able to quote that study and tell us why you're relying on it. So let me see what my takeaways are. So be smart about how you negotiate the world. Uh, yeah. Masks. Let's use the word navigate. 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 I meant navigate. Ways to navigate the world. Wear your damn mask. It can't hurt. Why not? Think about how you'll feel if you infect somebody else. Wear the mask. Try and get better messaging out there. Better, much more positive messaging, Mm -hmm. narratives, humor. That's how you you prevent people from feeling helpless and enlisting them into health-making decisions. Try, you know, be aware of mental health issues and, you know, be social just to keep things normal, but be smart. Yes, yes. Be social, be smart. I think that's really good. That's your new aphorism. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the new Melissa Sabrina calling card. There you go. Be social, be smart. I adore you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. I miss you. It's been too long since we've spoken. When uh, old Wes, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Josh Flagg pulled you up on his phone, (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. I have like a craving, like I have lots of social cravings now. It's like, I want to talk to Melissa. I I know. I'm like, (laughs) But uh, we we can do a whole other episode on Josh and his whole life. I think we should. Drew, we love you. We adore you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.